Welcome to Roto Brits, the UK fantasy baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. And joining me, of course, my co-host, Ryan Owen. Ryan, how are we doing? Yeah, delightful, uh, my friend Peter. I'll tell you, on a week when royalty has dominated the headlines, mm-hmm. I can tell you that my teams are all off to a royal start with the addition of Jose Ramirez. I have him everywhere, mm. everywhere. And he is my king. He is rocking this year. He's going 30-30. Put it down. Ah, I hate to burst your balloon on that one. I've just seen a, a tweet about him actually saying he's hurt his groin. No, you're talking. You're <laughs> actually lying. You're lying. Move on. I am. <laughs> you're, not, t- you're not getting me on that. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. I tried to get you on Xander's shoulder a few days ago as well, didn't I? But anyway. Well, um, that one's actually true, isn't it? That one was true. You're right. That was. I wasn't lying that time. I was yeah. lying this time, though. Um. So, Ryan, this is our, our relievers preview. So this is going to be fun. Um, and of course, we couldn't do this alone. We didn't do it alone last year. And we're not going to do it alone this year either. So Bob Blown Save Bamba is no more. He was, he's old news. And off the back of effectively a new UK fantasy baseball podcast popping up in the market, fabulous Johnny Gould. Uh, of Channel 5 uh, royalty, let's say, uh, has got his new show rolling. We thought that is it. The Roto Brits are bringing out heavy, heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. The big guns are here. Join us today. It's Darius Austin from Batflips and Nerds fame, various other avenues. But Darius, how are we doing, buddy? I'm doing good. It's a pleasure to be here on UK's number one fantasy baseball podcast. Oh, <laughs> what's a result? I hope, the, check, up, I hope the check's in the post, Pete. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. That is, I mean, I, I'm going to cue the sound effects there. The guns, the sirens going off. Shots fired. Love it. And you're not wrong, though. You are not wrong. I've checked, I've checked the ratings and you, you're correct. So that's a good start. Love to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Darius, listen, great to have you on. Um, we're in a couple of leagues together as well. And you always, uh, I think, I say always, I'm pretty certain it's always, you're always ahead of me uh, in the standings. So uh, that's, uh, it's good to have someone on that, that knows what they're talking about, which is good. If, to be fair, I think uh, the UK Invitational League was probably my worst league last year, actually, but I might still have been ahead of you. So I don't, it's I don't possible. know. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Um, but let's, let's give the listeners an intro to you. They'll know you anyway from, from Batflips. Um, you've been a big part of that from the start. So, but they'll know, they'll know you from that, but let's get into the fantasy stuff and give them an intro. Um, so a couple of quick fire questions. We've asked these to all of the guests this year. So nothing different. Start off, favorite fantasy format? Uh, I think I, I still go with the regular old 5x5 five five Roto. I play in a lot of leagues. Some leagues are really weird, but um, I, I like the standard 5x5. Five five. I think it's a good blend of, you know, uh, adjusting for skill but there's a bit of luck in there you don't want it to just be you know purely war base league or anything um so yeah i'll i'll stick with that but i do play in some really weird leagues uh well just going into that what's the weirdest league you play in then or what's the weirdest <laughs> scoring i guess category you have well uh 
people who have listened to Batflips and Nerds might know that I'm a bit into relievers and particularly obscure relievers. <laughs> so I play in a games finished without a save league, um, which basically uh, rewards relievers for pitching in like, you know, those pointless mop-up situations at the end of games. Just the guys who are called upon to close out the game when basically nothing is on the line. You know, they're down by seven or, you know, they're winning by five or, you know, basically there's no leverage at all. It's just to like find those guys at the back of the bullpen. And it's like you have to really find that narrow gap between like not so bad. They're going to get booted off the roster, but Mm. not good enough to ever go and get any saves. Wow. So, yeah, that's that's pretty obscure. But it's wow, only like, wow, wow. you know, it's like a draft and hold five round league. We don't actually do in season management. So it's not like yeah. a big time time investment. <laughs> no, no, no. That sounds fun, though. I mean, the thing is, though, you really get into, you know, this is why it's perfect that you've joined this this episode in particular, because you've got to really get into that, right? The guys that are going to stay on a roster that aren't going to be absolutely terrible, but aren't good enough to get any saves. They're just... You, you yeah. really learn a lot about a bullpen when you try and work out who, like, the sixth best guy is. Yeah. Absolutely. Love it. (laughs) Love it. Anyway, uh, so Roto standard guy. Ryan had thumbs up as well. No, I know no one can see this, but he did. And I know that that Ryan likes that one too. Um, Who are you taking most uh, 101 overall this year? When or if you've had the, the decision to make first overall? I have not had the pleasure. I don't know if I will. I think I might have two more drafts that potentially I could have the chance. So it hasn't happened. If I did, I think I would take Acuna, um, but it's close. I'd be tempted by Soto mm. just because I haven't. I don't think I've actually got Soto anywhere and I would really like to own him. And I think he's probably going to be the best hitter in baseball this year. It's, it's just a speed thing. So probably Acuna, but it's close. Yeah, cool. I, I think that's been the consensus. Those are the two names I think that have most appeared in the past uh, few weeks on that one. Uh, biggest bust in 2021. I know bust is a loose term, but... Uh, for you, top 30 guy that you think will bust out top, the, the hardest. Top, top 30 guy. Oh, uh, no, it doesn't have to be. No, no, no. Don't let me lead you. You you know, you define it as you wish. Yeah. I mean, one guy who, who I like, actually, and, you know, I think he's a fun player, but Teoscar Hernandez, I think, is not going to live up to the draft cost this year. Way too streaky a player. Doesn't mm-hmm. make enough contact. Um, yes, he's got speed, but I think the Blue Jades are also got the pieces there to mean he doesn't play every day so i think there's an awful lot of risk and like i liked him when he was a, a later round guy but people have taken him as like their fifth sixth player it's way too much risk for me yeah um so he's up there uh trying to think who else is uh, if there's a higher one i'm kind of i'm a bit dubious on the kyle tucker thing i don't think oh. he's, he's done it yet okay. um and i think there's a lot of like the prospect type going into it uh and yeah, people are kind of drafting him based on that. And I don't think he's ever actually shown the skills. Not that he's a bad player, but he's being drafted like an elite player. Yeah. And I think there's there's a lot of projection going on there. Well, I was going to ask you another question next, but I'll flick to this one, um, <laughs> which was, have you ever listened to Roto Brits before? Which is how we typically end it. But all I'm going to say is, did you listen to last week's episode of Roto Brits, the part one? of the outfielder preview because there was some Kyle Tucker talk in there. I haven't actually got through it. I've, I've listened to the, the first bit. Um, I was actually going to ask Ryan if his kids have found out yet that he doesn't read anything apart from fantasy baseball. Um, <laughs> so the last full episode I listened to was Rudy's, unfortunately. I haven't, I haven't listened to all of the outfield preview yet. Oh, well, 
There's a treat. That's you your question there on... for me, is it? I think that some the cleverer ones have a, have an English. I figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Final one. It's the best one. Favorite Marlins player, 2021, from a fantasy perspective. Uh, I think I'm going to go Sandy. I've, I've drafted him TGFBI. I think there's a lot of potential there. I think he's one of the best volume bets outside of like the, the top guys. I think there's a lot of uncertainty over innings with many of these players, and I don't really have that concern with him. And I think there's a little bit more to come as well. I think the Arsenal is good enough that you can strike out more than he has been to date. So, yeah, give me Sandy Alcantara. Love it. Love it, Darius. What a, what a call. And you're right on the volume. Sandy rocked up to his opening press conference of the year and said, I'm going to throw 200 innings this year. So there's your, uh, there's your volume bet. Um, ticked. Awesome. So I'm so glad that we got that Marlins talk out. Like, I'm so glad because that's what I had quite a lot of even private emails, actually, just like listeners saying to me, look, if you do anything, please, will you increase the amount of Marlins talk on your Roto Bricks podcast? Everyone wants it. I know. Everyone wants to hear it, right? Just give them what they want, Pete. Just give them what they want. I mean, there you go. If they ask, we will provide. So just imagining Pete on all his burner email accounts now. Yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a few few Marlins burners there for sure. Um, right, relievers, relievers. This is going to be fun. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to let you set the table on this one. Are you excited to be talking about relievers this week? <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm excited. It's funny when you talk about relievers. Um, the question is, how do you approach that, isn't it, really? So it's like, do you value job security? And, and do you have any sense of how confident you feel about it when you put a ranking on job security? Because there's loads of places that try and do that. And if you look at Rota Wire, it'll be different to Razball and it'll be different to Fangraphs or wherever else you go and have a look. Do you try and do that in your own head? Do you actually look at the bullpens and sort of think, right, who are the top three or four guys and and are they secure because there isn't much competition or are they secure because they've got like a long-standing pedigree? So there's job security. But for me, one of, one of the important things as well is swinging strike rate and the ability to miss bats and to and to do that regularly like if you're going to be like a for me a top end like closer or even a setup man that's getting close to sort of saying i want the job where someone's a bit shaky you have to have usually very good swinging uh strike rate and and be someone that has that ability so i'm constantly looking for relievers that have really one of one or both of those things an extreme ability to miss bats or a job security that i feel very confident in and and i would say we'll get onto it but in season when you're picking up relievers and you're trying to think right who could take a job or if you're in a holds league you're looking for guys that can give you holds it's not just about them giving you saves and holds it's also about who is the pitcher 
And what is the likelihood that that pitcher gets blown up and ruins absolutely all of the good work that you've done in the draft and, and so far in the league? Because you could have done fantastically. And I think we have a private WhatsApp group for the MLB UK Invitational League. Um, and it's a sort of elite group of 12 or 13 guys now. Welcome, Gav. Uh, 13 guys. Um, so I said earlier, you sort of get these projections after a draft. You've picked up six starters and you, you went early on pitching and you think, great, I've got the best pitching in the league. Woohoo. And then you go and pick up some absolute bum reliever in the first week because you think he's going to steal like two or three saves, but he doesn't have swinging strike rate that's good enough. And he's always going to be getting like blown up and, and you can see it a mile off. And I, I'll feast on people that just pick up bum relievers during the season and ruin all the hard work. And it happens all the time, all the time. One quick follow-up before I get to Darius on, on his thoughts and what he looks for. For someone that isn't used to looking at swinging strike rate as a stat, as a metric to go and look at, if you're in that camp, how, how would the listeners go and find it? And what would good look like? You know, swinging strike rate, where do you see it? That sounds like an obvious question, but equally, what is good? What is bad? <laughs> what should people avoid? Um, well, where can you find it? If it, Fangraphs is, is always a really good place to, to start. I mean, it, it, the stats are up. There's loads of advanced stats on, on Fangraphs. So if you just type a pl player's name in, you can, uh, you can pretty much um, fantastic. Off you go. You'll find it straight away. And it, and it usually is written down as SWK or SWK percentage. It's a swinging strike rate percentage. Um, and it's just literally how often do you induce a swing in which the batter doesn't make contact with the ball? Um, what does good look like? Well, that differs for relievers to what it does for starters, because relievers are only pitching one or two innings usually. So they should have, if they're very, very good, they should have elite um, level swing and strike rate. If you're up over like 16%, we're talking like, you're missing quite a lot of bats and, and you're someone that, that's like, okay, I'm getting quite interested here. Okay. Um, for example, I mean, we were in a shortened season last year, but Liam Hendricks last season in the short season and was up 20% um, bang on. Although the year prior um, over 85 innings, he was at 17.7%. Both of those are very, very good. And, you know, you could go further. You could start looking at other statistics. But listen, we don't always have all the time in the world, do we? A lot of us have jobs and we do other things. And sometimes we see our parents. So, um, you know, like things like that. So <laughs> I would just say swinging strike rate is a good place to start because it's just one statistic that backs up. It's better than just looking at K percentage or K per nine or how many strikeouts they've got, basically. Because the strikeout's the outcome. That's really important. The strikeout is the outcome of something. Anyone can get a strikeout. The strikeout needs to be backed up by a process. The swinging strike rate allows you to see the ability more so than the outcome of the ability, if, if that is allowed to be said, and that makes sense no, to that you, makes Mr. Sense. Pratt. Makes total sense. I've got it. Thanks for that, mate. I thought it was good to ask because a couple of my friends that are, are drafting right now are, you know, they're turning to me for help and guidance um, and conscious that they're listening to Roto Brits. They're telling me that they're listening to these 
these podcasts. And so it's right for us to point them in the right direction of the stats that help and that would matter, particularly in this, like such a volatile, volatile <laughs> pool of players. Listen, I'll say this massive help to everyone. Fangraphs is glorious, but it can be quite timesome. To, it can take your time to sit there and start searching for all of them. The other thing I'd say, if you're a serious fantasy baseball player, every single year, um, I'll, I'll do be advertising for him, buy Ron Chandler's baseball forecaster. Because what you've got in front of you is a one-stop shop, a book that will drop on your door in January. You can get it off Amazon. And all of the statistics from like the last four years are all in this book in one place and the players are in alphabetical order. It is heaven. If you make one purchase every draft season, I suggest you buy Ron Chandler's fantasy baseball forecaster. There you go. We'll get some royalties fired up on that one as well, hopefully. <laughs> Use the code Roto Brits. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> oh, I'm in a... Just I'm making in, things up. I'm in one of those moods tonight, I guess. Right, Darius Austin. Got, yeah, fact- ask Darius something. He showed up, for God's exactly. sake. <laughs> exactly. So, Darius, Darius, Darius. From a drafting strategy perspective or an auction strategy perspective with relievers, saves, you know, let's put our Roto, straight up, straight up Roto, five by five hats on. Saves is all we're working with. How are you... How are you looking to tackle this volatile position, you know, generally? I know every draft's different, but, you know, I know you, you'll have a strategy in mind. Yeah, I mean, it's especially tricky this year, I think, because it does feel like there are so few guys who are safe mm-hmm. that you can just say, yeah, I think he's the closer and I really believe in his skills. That's a pretty rare commodity this season. Um, if I can't get one of the really premium guys and, you know, often they go earlier than I would like to draft them, I tend not to want to wade into these middle rounds when there's still a lot of good hitters around, when people are taking shots on guys like James Karinczak, guys like Nick Anderson, who could easily not get all the saves for their team and they're investing you know, a single-digit pick in, in these guys. Um, that's that's not for me. So, yeah, I, I try, if I can't get those the elite ones, then I'll look for either the, the jobs that I can count on or you know, try and find the cheaper guys in situations that I think are in flux. Um, we were actually talking about Lucas Sims earlier in the chat where I mentioned, I think he's a good example of a guy who's in a situation that's really up in the air. He's a lot cheaper than Amir Garrett at the moment, uh, who, you know, people seem to think is the, the, the favorite, but the Reds haven't really indicated that at all. So I think look for those situations. These are the kind of guys that if the season starts and they haven't got the job, you can just drop them and, and move on to the next guy. Mm-hmm. And usually, unless you're in a really deep league, there'll be somebody else around that you can pounce on. Um, that's the thing with relievers generally, I think, if you, especially if you're in a shallower league, if you're willing to do the work and just be the first guy to pick up on some trends, you can usually find these guys in season. It gets a bit tougher once you're into 15-team leagues, mm-hmm. certainly in only leagues then you can be being in a uh, real situation. But equally, I think it's a viable strategy to not worry too much about it. Um, if you're not in like a, an overall contest like GGFBI, if you're just in a, a single standalone league, you can, you know, just do okay in saves and really nail all the other categories because you can waste a lot of draft capital chasing after saves that just hurts your team elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And just to kind of follow up one of the points you made, you know, Elite guys this year, those guys that are good pitchers and have firm jobs effectively, 
how many are there? Like, when you look at it, how many do we think there are, like, that fit that category? Like, uh, 10? Under 10? More than 10? Under 10, I think, yeah, definitely. Under 10. Um, Yeah, I I think, you know, you can make arguments that there, you know, might not be more than five, really, this year. Yeah. I think. (laughs) It's It's limited, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. Like, the risks appear very quickly and some of the cracks appear very quickly on some of the guys so you know looking at you know doing the research in advance of it i i started to get very afraid very quickly um (laughs) you know and like you said you're picking up guys that are in you know eighth round 10th round 12th round and you're thinking oh boy like these guys may not have a job in two months uh, at all like it's it's possible and equally they're not that good a pitcher either anymore so yeah interesting um one i'm just <laughs> ryan i haven't done this all year but i'm bringing it back just for one episode <laughs> it's the peter pratt pop quiz that you were so fond of last year oh, if you yeah recall. i loved this yeah this was Dude. brilliant yeah please go ahead so i'm bringing it back just for one one episode i promise uh i'll throw it out to you guys who was the save, Ryan, to you first? Who was the save leader in 2020? You know this, right? You know it. I don't know. You haven't got a clue, have you? I don't, I don't have a clue. I don't know. Uh, so Kirby Yates. All right, no, hold on. Did he get hurt? I don't know. Right. Darius, save leader in 2020. I'm just guessing. We're just guessing. We're, we are just guessing. Uh, who actually stayed healthy? Um, I'll say Hendricks because I know he was the closer all year, but I don't think he is. He was close, I think. But Brad Hand was the save leader in 2020. 16 saves. Conscious it was a shortened season, though, guys. How many, how many guys had 10 or more saves across the entire season? Ryan, what do you think? 10, 10 or more saves? season. Oh, I don't know, mate. Eight. Darius? 10. Oh, probably less than eight. Was that 10, Darius? I said 10, yeah. Yeah, on the, on the money there, buddy, 10. 10 guys had 10 or more. Okay, this is the emphasis point. Who was the save leader in 2019, Ryan? Oh, a Roldis Chapman, mate. You, you got it right last year. Oh, did I? Do you remember, Darius? 2019 save leader. Do I, do I remember Ryan getting it right last year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I don't. Um, this must be riveting for the listeners. Hold on, hold just on. There's a point. out names. There's a point. Anyway, there's a point. Kirby uh, Yates. Kirby. Oh, he's, he's already said it. Yeah. Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates. You wow. said him earlier too. Kirby Yates, 41 saves in 2019. How many? That just have proves, in- mate, that I don't care about the shortened season because I just assumed that that was last year. Like, I just skipped over that silly season where Miami did quite okay. Carry this on. <laughs> this is it. How many saves in 2020 for Kirby Yates? Two. Two oh, really? saves for Kirby Yates in 2020. Did he get hurt? He did get hurt, yeah. He did, yeah. he did. See, if well, he's not on my team, I don't care. Like, literally, that's what <laughs> happens. And then I'll figure that out. Like, obviously, I do care because when I look at him, I sort of think, oh, he had an injury or whatever. Was his injury bad? I haven't got him anywhere this year either. There's something about that. I don't know. I don't I don't really. He's kind of close in Toronto, isn't he? But um, mm. everyone keeps telling me that everyone's going to like hit everything out of that park. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. 
not really sure that I want this aging closer then, really. Like, not entirely convinced. How old is he? It's like 50, isn't he? Like, he's been around for ages. Hey, listen, he's... I asked the questions here. I asked the questions. <laughs> I think he's about as old as me, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. The point, it was an antiquated one, but the point I was making was, um, or an elongated one, like, the volatility is just insane. These dudes... 40 saves down to two, albeit shortened season, but still the save leader was 16. He had two. He got hurt, change of scenery. You know, we go again. Anyway, enough of that. It, we know it's a volatile position. We know there's not many elite guys. We know the elite guys are expensive. Let's get into some of these elite guys and work out, or well, some of these top guys. <laughs> let's, let's work out which ones are worthwhile. And then probably what we'll do is get into some some jobs specifically where we see some of them shuffling and who are the guys to kind of look out for. So right up the top of the tree, guys, it's a clear tier uh, of two guys based on ADP anyway, Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks. Um, Ryan, come to you first, buddy. Josh Hader, number one overall reliever at the moment. I would say a bang average 2020 by his standards. Is he still <laughs> the best reliever in the game for you? <laughs> I think what Hader gives you the... Perhaps uh, Hendricks and some of the others don't is uh, a little bit of um, distance in his outings. Like he's not necessarily coming in for one inning. He's a very, very good reliever. He does miss bats. He's a lefty as well. So they, they sort of bring him in at opportune moments when they feel like there's, there's a good opportunity for him to just dominate. I'm not too concerned about last season, if I'm honest. Yes, it was up and down. But there was one particularly bad outing um, that really hurt his statistics in a short season, yeah. if I do recall. Um, Josh Hader, for me, I took him in the fifth round of TGFBI. I actually took him as my first pitcher in the draft. <laughs> um, so he is the ace of my staff. That's about 80 innings pitched. Um, and I'm quite happy with that, to be honest. So, yeah, I, I don't really have any concerns. And I, I like the guy. Oh boy, that is a new one. Josh Hader is my ace of the staff. Well, Absolutely. it got so desperate that I thought, do I really want to sort of take like Carlos Carrasco here or whoever was there? And I thought, nah, I'll just take a closer and I'll have the saves with it. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. Darius, what about you for Josh Hader? Are you, I mean, is there a, is there a moment in time where you're, you're happy to take Hader, you know, fifth round, 50th, 50th 55th overall? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, I, I actually think it, we don't really know what's happening with the ball, um, but Hader gives up a lot of fly balls and I think hitters have taken to just thinking, you know, I'm just going to try and hit a home run against this guy because that's basically the only chance we've got to score. Mm. Um, and he has given up, you know, a few too many home runs recently. But if the ball is deader, I think it's really going to favour guys like Hader, who's like well over 50% fly ball rate for his career. Yeah. So yeah. I actually potentially like that development for him. And yeah, if we're talking about swinging strike rate, nobody's got a higher swinging strike rate than Josh Hader over the last few years. Um, so skills are elite. Uh, only thing I wonder about is whether they will be a bit creative and you know not necessarily use him in the ninth of the time if Devin Williams is healthy and, and pitching like he did last year. But uh, you know it's it's a very minor quibble, and, and Hader's going to give you such elite ratios and strikeouts anyway that I think you know if he did end up getting twenty five saves, it wouldn't actually kill you. Trade candidate as well, perhaps? Uh, I suppose, 
potentially, yeah. Um, he's still with the Brewers for a while, but uh, yeah, I I don't really see it. I think they're they're not the kind of team that likes to tear it all down and and just go again. So I think unless they got a really great offer, and they were just totally out of it by mid season, I, I don't think he'd get traded. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, this adds to the volatility, right? Anyone could be traded at any moment, I guess, but. Um, yeah, point point well taken. You know they could get creative because of his length, uh, so to speak. He he can I guess fulfill multi roles. Um, yeah, they've so they've done it less in in recent seasons. To be fair, it used to be like they were constantly using him for two innings, and they haven't done it so much. It was a bit more traditional last year, so maybe that's overblown. Anyway. Okay, well, on the flip side, or in this tier, you know, around about the same spot, a pick or two, Liam Hendricks. Uh, now in new settings, right? He's now with the White Sox this year, um, which by all accounts looks a, a nice team. Um, should be the closer, it seems. Good track records. Do you prefer... Do you still see Hader over Hendricks? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it's not a great park, obviously. Oakland is a pretty nice place to pitch. So I think there'll be a, a little bit of regression coming in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's pretty close. I mean, Hendricks has turned himself into one of the most elite relievers in baseball. I just think Hader's got a slightly longer track record and slightly better situation, really. Um, so I'll, I'll give him the edge, but Hendricks has been absolutely elite in the last two years. I was I was listening back to uh, last year's reliever uh, review, and I was just piling in on Hendricks saying, no way for me. <laughs> absolutely no way. <laughs> So there you go, and actually turned out a, a real nice season again. But there's some there's a degree of nervousness that sits there with me with Hendricks. I, you know, I'm just I'm nervous at this price tag in particular. I think that's what it is. Um, I mean, even, yeah, good points made on the on the park, I guess factors. Ryan, what about you on on Hendricks? Are you are you happy in this? Well, hey, listen, you had the decision to make, right? Because you took you took a reliever. But I think you took you obviously took Hader over Hendricks. I assume Hendricks was still available in yeah, TGFBI. I thought, thought about it. I thought yeah. about it, actually. Um, I think there's a little bit of confidence around Hendricks' role. Um, he's getting a bit of a job security bump because people are very sure that uh, Mr. T- Mr. Traditional Manager is uh, going to definitely put him in in the ninth every single time for that one inning and maybe like he's going to be very sure that that's his closer. So he's getting a job security bump, which, which is fine. Um, I think the skills are fantastic. Literally my decision was literally based on the fact that I do just fancy Kader for about 10 or 15 more innings actually over the course of a, over the course of 162 game season. I do think that the Brewers will turn back every now and again, to letting Hader go for longer than an inning. And I, I just, I don't really see Hendricks doing that. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, there you go. So I think, well, great summary, guys. And I can see the pros and not the cons. There's no cons, really. But, you know, two guys, elite guys, safe in their roles. I think Hader just gets the innings, maybe bump. But there could be some flexibility there in his role. Let's, let's go down a tier. I would say. I mean, unless there's anyone else you think is in that absolute elite tier, is anyone I've missed there that you you have right up there? So, I mean, if the I would say that Aroldis Chapman is at least close um, in terms of skill set and who he is. Um, there's the, there's a lingering doubt about Chapman's um, 
personal affairs and how they may impact his ability to pitch for the whole season, um, okay. <laughs> shall we say, <laughs> without needing the lawyers here again. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, Aroldis, yeah, that swinging strike rate's pretty consistently silly, if I'm honest. Um, and he's just the velocity is still there. He's still hitting it like over 98 on the gun. I, if he's playing, under, if he's available for for 80 percent of the season, I think he belongs in this top tier. If I'm honest, and okay. I think he's very secure in his role. Yeah, I think I think so, Darius. What about you on Aroldis? You seeing him? Yeah, in this cluster. So we then effectively have a top three. I think skills wise, he's he's just about there. I think to Brian's point about Hader in the opposite direction, the Yankees are a little bit more cautious with their bullpen management. They don't like to let guys go like back to back to back days, stuff like that. They often try and give people a little bit of extra rest. Uh, Chapman's not been to like 60 innings the last few years. Um, whereas if you compare that to Hendricks and, and Hader's usage, they've been pretty high. So I think that's what maybe keeps him out for me, just that I know the Yankees aren't going to push him much past like 50, 55 innings. Mm -hmm. So there might just be a few more save chances going to probably not Zach Britton now, but maybe somebody like Chad Green will pick those up, uh, certainly in the early going. Yeah, but I was going to ask you about that. If, you know, if, if Chapman, if there's a problem, who's going to pick up? But I think maybe your favourite there would be yeah, Chad Green, you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, Green is a pretty elite reliever. This Yankees bullpen has obviously been ridiculous for years, but I think Green is is the guy. Um, you know, they, they don't really have any other obvious candidates, I think, to step into that role. So cool. I think it'll be him. Okay, awesome. Well, Aroldis was the top of my next tier. So we'll put him, we'll put him up a tier. There you go. You've got three to pick from. Um, take your pick, I guess. Pete's convinced. That was easy, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm just going on ADP. ADP Christ, I barely said anything. He's already moved up a tier. Yeah, exactly. You know me, I'm easily like swayed. It. I'm easily swayed. So, fine, let's get into this next tier then. And this may just, I don't know how many are in this tier, but let's start then with Edwin Diaz. Let's get into it. I mean, should he be in tier two, first of all? <laughs> um, he... Listen, he was absolutely terrible in 2019. He was absolutely sensational in 2018. And 2020, he was back, I would say-ish. He was kind of back. Um, Ryan, can you trust anything about Diaz in this spot? Should he be in this tier? Yeah, and this is why you should go and look at the underlying statistics because, um, mate, he wasn't really terrible in 2019. And, and the, the reason that I say that is... His swinging strike rate was still very, very good. Um, he he was giving up quite a lot of fly balls, which was a bit of a concern, although he seems to be a little bit inconsistent with the fly ball and the ground ball rate. I'm not quite sure what changed with his approach, but in 2019, he also had a bit of a problem with his strand percentage, which is another thing that you can go and have a look at, Pete, when you're doing your homework, was very, very low in 2019, which meant that... Instead of leaving runners on base, he was essentially allowing a lot of them, once they were on base, to score. And there can be some luck involved in that because you think about it, kind of depends when you give up your home runs. If you give up your home runs when there's no one on base, it's not too bad. 
But if you give up your home runs when there's two or three people on base, it's very bad news. Okay. So the, the more runners that you strand, um, it's not that the more that they strand, it's just that if there's a massive discrepancy from year to year and you see that discrepancy, then that can affect ERA and it can affect other elements of the pitcher's ultimate outcomes. And there was a discrepancy in 2019. Now, that was hurt by the fact that the fly ball percentage was higher as well. He was stranding less because he was giving up more fly balls and a lot of them were going for home runs. So there is that concern with him. Having said that, is it really a concern? This is a guy that has a swinging strike rate consistently over 18.5%. In fact, it's usually closer to 20. And last year, it was over 20. So Diaz misses bats consistently. Um, I'm not really concerned. I mean, there are a few whispers that all oh, the Mets went and signed Trevor May and they have Seth Lugo. I mean, yeah, Trevor May. I mean, it's not, not that exciting. I mean, they didn't go and sign like... Trevor May is fine, but they didn't like go and sign like some like super, super. Isn't, they didn't sign him to take. Diaz was traded for. I think they're quite invested in him. I think they want him to have the job. Um, and I think he'd have to be fairly disastrous over the first month to lose it, really. And um, yeah, I think you, you can be fairly safe taking Diaz, especially compared to some of the other guys that we're about to get into pretty soon. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, when I was talking about for 2019, you know, he had an ERA over five and a half, I think, uh, from memory. He gave up a ton of home runs. That Well, the, the, the ERA was driven by the home runs. He was just giving up way too many. Um, you Again, know, though, the home run to fly ball rate was really high, Pete, which means that he was giving up a lot of fly balls, which is absolutely bang on. He was, and that's the concern. The fact he was giving up so many fly balls, that's the concern. But the fact that so many of those fly balls went for home runs means that he was probably a little bit unlucky. In 2019, that was, just to give you some insight, Pete, that was 27% in 2019. If we go back to the three years prior, he was never over 15% on the amount of fly balls that left the park for a home run. That means that he was pretty, he wasn't just suddenly an awful pitcher. He, what, there was some elements of, I'm a bit worried that you're giving up so many fly balls, mate, calm yourself down. Mm -hmm. But there was also an element of, this guy's just had a pretty unlucky season. Like, I, I mean, you do what you want, but I'd be fine taking Diaz uh, where he's going. I took him. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sound concerned. <laughs> what? I took him to the FBI as my main to... closer. And I was, yeah. I was happy to take him there. Hey, listen, I don't want to lead the witness. I want you to give me the honest view, your view. I don't maybe, want to lead you. Listen, maybe Darius disagrees. Ask Darius. I know. I'm looking at Darius. Darius likes the analysis too. What are you saying, Darius, about Eddie? I, I took him as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sensational. This is one of my favorite moments. I don't uh, have him anywhere. I just like <laughs> bigged him up for 10 minutes. <laughs> You already had Hayden, yeah. though. So. I mean, if you look at the skills, Ryan outlined the skills. He's he's a top tier guy. The, the reason he's not in the top tier is because you know things wander every now and again. You know, yes. sometimes he just loses the slider and somebody launches it out of the park, and that's what happened a few too many times in 2019. But he struck out 99 guys in 58 innings that year. <laughs> I mean, like this is ludicrous. His his skills are basically top of the game. So if he's you know in the right space, if he's not making those mistakes. 
then I think Diaz can easily be the number one closer this year on a very good Mets team. You know, 40-plus saves could get you 100 strikeouts. I think he's, you know, potentially a great play. But you could just, you know, end up with a couple of those outings where he just completely loses his command and everything blows up. It happens. So, yeah. When I'm taking a swing for the fences, I want to go with Diaz because I think he's the best value of these elite skills guys. But he's got more risk of blowing up than the rest of them, I think. There you go. I'm in complete agreement with Darius. Complete agreement with Ryan. I mean, <laughs> love Diaz at this spot. Like, the skills are there. The role, we think... Put him there. in tier one, mate. He's in tier one. <laughs> in tier one. <laughs> you might just bump him up. That's it, it's done. <laughs> He's going to end up with a 25 closes in tier one by the end of this. <laughs> Four man. Four man tier one. Right. Number five. Let's see if we can get this dude in, in tier one. Iglesias. Change of scenery for this dude. He's now with the Angels. No idea what the Angels do with their bullpen. Um, Darius, you're the West Coast specialist, mate, so I'm going to lean on you here. <laughs> what what the hell do the Angels do with their pen? Is Iglesias going to... Is he going to be the guy? I mean, he's being drafted like he is, so my assumption is yes, but... Yeah, that's that's part of why he's, he's ended up here. He's very safe here. There isn't really an, an obvious alternative... The Angels had some like interesting breakouts like year uh, last year. Guys like Mike Myers had like a really nice season, but um, there is no other closer in this bullpen, and I don't think there's any doubt at all that Iglesias has got the job. Okay, um, and he's one of the longest tenured closers on this board at, at this point. So, yeah, safe roll, decent park. Uh, you know, some nice strikeout numbers. Not quite got the skills of the the guys above him, but. I think, you know, that's why he's ended up here in fifth because he's got that combination of good skills and a job that look pretty safe. So is he tier one B? (laughs) Is it tier one B then? You know, he's almost there. Just not quite. He hasn't quite got the skills though, right? I think that's the the one difference. Yeah, I I think this is definitely tier two. He's he's a cut below those other guys for me. (laughs) All right, tier two is here. Um for the sake of speed of this pod, we'll go to the next guy who now sits in tier two. So number two in tier two is Karinchak, who I'll come to you, Ryan, on this one. He's had one career save thus far. So he's never done it before in terms of closing games other than one one time. Seemingly now is the Cleveland closer. He's going around about 120th overall. Whew. Feels risky. I'm not going to lie. Ryan, how are you seeing this one? Um, listen, I don't particularly care that he's never, like, quote-unquote, done it before. Okay. In the sense that if he was a bona fide closer and I knew definitely that the manager had said, this is the guy, I'm 100% going with him every ninth inning, I don't care that he's got one save. I couldn't care less if he had, like, 101, minus one. Doesn't bother me. Um the problem here is that we don't 100% know that Karinczak's definitely got the role. And that some people might say, well, don't be silly. He's the guy. It sounds like he's the guy. And he's almost, cer- yeah, almost certainly. And that does matter. Like, it matters because of the price. It's the sixth name that you've handed to me. And there are guys that you're going to mention to me shortly that I can tell you are definitely the guy. So you want me to buy James Karinchak, what, because the skills are good? Like, 
yeah, swing and strike rate's really good. Velocity's good. Um, I'm still, a, I'm a bit wary of his control based on, based on what I'm seeing. I, I'm a, I am a little bit skeptical as to whether he can actually control his stuff. I think the walks might be a problem for the guy. Not for me at this price. If he was going in the twentieth round, and I thought he might be the closer, fine. At this price, this is a guy that is not on any of my teams, and he won't be. Okay. And he may get the roll, and he may do very well. And good luck to you if that happens. But you're rolling the dice. Yeah. Darius, is this is is this the first true dice roll at one hundred twentieth overall? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Cleveland is really not committed to him. The noises coming out of there are not James Krinchak is our closer. They're very much treating this like a wide open job. I think the control issues are a concern and they have obvious other candidates. Emmanuel Classe is back from a suspension. Nick Whitburn was really good last year. I really like Phil Maton. Nobody's talking about Phil Maton, but he had an excellent year last year that was kind of marred by, you know, a very short sample ERA. Have you got him in your five rounds? Exactly. Uh, that's where he's, he's, like, he's is too good. He is? Yeah. He'll <laughs> pitch in too high leverage spots. He's too good. <laughs> but if, if you want to see a surprise, you know, uh, I don't know if people are familiar with the uh, little stat cast boxes, but if you want to see a little surprise stat cast box with all the uh, numbers lit up red, go and look at Phil Maton's uh, percentile rankings from 2020. Super elite. Uh, mm. Really good. So they've got options there. Um, and I think, yeah, they could easily hand it to Wickren out the gate. They could, you know, Class A could come through. He's got great stuff as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't like the price. Karen Jack's got tremendous stuff. But to be honest, like, it does make me a bit nervous just watching him on the mound. He is full of weird, nervous energy. Like, he, yeah. he can't control it. And uh, I think that that uh, walk rate might be a little bit unpalatable. So, yeah, not for me. Well, not to... <clears throat> Not to try and dispute anything Ryan's saying, but if you're that type of guy, you know, and you have that type of demeanor, right? That nervous energy, bit loose with control. For me, that's the type of guy that I would want to see had done it before. Know what I mean? Like, you just look at him and you think, this is, could be a walking disaster at any point. Like, closing games is a different, it's a different situation, truly, I think it is. And so, you know, he's never done it before. And there's other guys there. There's no way anyone's taking him 120th overall. Just no way. What do you, you? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? They definitely are. I mean, someone is. But... I mean, I was watching in TGFBI. He was definitely like a, maybe not 120, but I wonder what his ADP was. They definitely are, and that's writers and people that well, <clears throat> they are. I mean, they... listen, if he gets the job, he ever say fine, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I mean, I think the thing is, are people enticed by the swinging strike rate and his age and the fact that he's new? I mean, I know people are worried about like Kenley Jansen and Kenley Jansen, whatever you want to call it. I'm calling him Jansen, by the way, and I'm doing the same for Danny Jansen. I don't, there's, that J should not be pronounced and I don't even care if he denies that himself. So that's the end of that. Um, Kenley Jansen. Um, Come on, like, I know, yeah, we've got concerns in some way. We'll, we'll talk about him, but he's the Dodgers' closer. Like, he's, like, I'd be more, and I'm going to get him at a discount on Karinczak. I mean. You are. Come on. Ryan? I'm not saying I'm going to take Jansen either, but. Yeah. Well, here's the good news. Next guy on my list, Brad Hand. So let's get into Brad Hand. <laughs> 
Oh, you enjoyed that too much, you weirdo. I have Kenley's next, so don't worry. You won't have, don't have to wait too long. But You couldn't Brad have just skipped Brad Hand just for that joke. I, no, I can't, we can't skip Brad Hand. we gotta, we got to dive in. Darius, come to you on Brad Hand. Excellent track record, seemingly. Um, How do you like the fits? the fit for him with the Nats this year. I'm I'm a little bit worried about hand, to be honest. There's oh, a big velocity loss last season. Um, everything kind of looks great on the surface, but if you look at his actual stuff, he just missed a lot fewer bats last year and you kind of can't tell because the strikeout numbers held up, but I think there could be much more significant regression coming this year if he doesn't get that bag. Um, you know, I think he, he got away with it a bit in the short season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he blew the save to uh, get them knocked out of the playoffs as well. Um, so I think this was one of those things you might just be seeing a guy, you know, in his early 30s, stuff's not quite as good as it was, and mm-hmm. he got away with it because we only had 60 games. But um, Have yeah, you seen I, this? His home run to fly ball rate, 0% last year. <laughs> so he 57% of the hits that he gave up were fly balls, right? And 0% of those went for a home run. That is, that's ludicrous. I know that yeah. was only 22, how many innings are we looking at? 22 innings. I can't believe what I'm reading. <laughs> Zero. And, and that's, Park is like pretty decent place to hit home runs. I think, I think that's going to change. So yeah, I, I don't love this one either, to be honest. Nope. So no, I mean, he's got, he's got the job though, right? Seemingly. I don't, I don't know what else the Nats have got. There, Daniel Hudson's there. I kind of like Tanner Rainey. I think that Tanner Rainey's a decent late round flyer. Uh, other thing is, hands are lefty, obviously. If they want to play the matchups, there might actually end up that they don't use him in the ninth. And I think Ra- Rainey is a guy who's got really good swing and miss stuff. So mm. if he's healthy, uh, ready to start the year, I'd keep an eye on him. Late round, I guess, like a handcuff kind of. Yeah, flyer, definitely, you know? definitely like deeper league, you know, final round flyer, just see what happens to start the season type of guy or just yeah, keep yeah. him on your watch list. Yeah. Yeah. Like it. Anything further on Brad Hand other than that uh, ludicrous stat, Ryan, or are we good? No, I agree with Darius. And you can see it in the swinging strike rate that it, it came down. Um, there's quite a lot of fly balls there. The home run to fly ball is going to correct. It's not going to be anywhere near zero. I can assure you of that. So, don't don't just pay up because he got 16 saves and a really nice whip over 22 innings. Um, he does seem to have the job, but nah, it, I, it wouldn't be the way I'd go. Yeah. All right then. Well, let's get into your man, I guess, Kenley Jansen. <laughs> he he's the closer for the World Series winning Dodgers, and projected to be probably the best team again in 2020, uh, 2021. Sorry. Um, tons of opportunities. Is Kenley Jansen... Well, actually, wh- why is he not going higher? Based on that then, right? Opportunity, role, is the role a problem? Skill, is the skill diminishing? Or are we over? Are we just looking into it too much and um, we'll have tons of chances and he'll rack up the saves? I think I think his role's fa- fairly safe at the moment. Um, of course, that could change, but at the moment, he's, he's the closer. Um, Jansen... For me, the skills diminished in 2018 to an alarming point where the swinging strike rate became quite low compared to what it was in 16 and 17, got to about 14%. That's when the worry set in. However, I think that that worry's never left the community of fantasy baseball drafters for some reason, mm-hmm. even though he seems to have regained 
some of his swinging strike ability. His velocity is plateaued at about 92.4, 92.3. And he has pretty good control of what he's throwing as well. Um, I think he's kind of valued appropriately, if I'm honest. And okay. I'd certainly be taking Janssen before Karinczak and Brad Hand. And probably before Iglesias, just because of the price. I do prefer Iglesias as a, as a pitcher right now. Yeah. Um, but I think I'd take Janssen before him. Yeah. I think not before a... him, but I would rather have him at his price than Iglesias at his. Yeah, I think you've got maybe two rounds difference or so for Iglesias to Janssen, even more, maybe two or three rounds. So Darius, what about you for uh, for Kenley? Are you are you in this one? You seeing the value here? Yeah, I think it's it's okay. I, I don't think it's like mega value, but um I think what the deal is with Kenley is he just used to be so elite and he's not that anymore. You know, yeah. he's not the sub two ERA guy. He's not like, you know, best closer in baseball. Um, I don't think that makes him a bad closer. And I don't think the Dodgers have got like this ridiculous option behind him. I know like Trinan had a bounce back. I know people are excited about Bristol Gratterall because he throws hundred miles per hour, even though he doesn't strike anybody out. Uh, there isn't a guy in this bullpen, unlike the Cleveland bullpen, where I'm like, oh, yeah, there's like three other guys who could close really well here. Mm. I don't see that guy here right now. So I'm not that worried about his job. Um, I think it's just a case of, yeah, he's aging. The stuff's not as good as it was. Um, but I think the Dodgers will stick with him for a while unless, you know, things are going to have to go really badly for them to take it off him. So yeah, I think it's, it's a good spot for him. Um, I don't think there's like a huge amount of upside, but it's a decent pick. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, sticking with you then, Darius. Talk me through Ryan Presley. Uh, looks to be quite settled in the role as well for the Astros now. Uh, Ozuna's out of town. Um, Presley looks like the guy. Um, still a good team, the Astros. So, you know, looks could be a nice little pick here, perhaps. What, what's your sense on him? Yeah, I really like Presley. He's really reinvented himself. Uh, he kind of did so with the Twins and then got traded to Houston and and he's kind of taken it from there. Um, I don't see any threat at all to him in this no. bullpen. There's, there's nobody who's going to be a, a closer over Presley. Um, he did the job very well last year, did the job for them in the playoffs. Um, yeah, really good skill set. So I think this is a, a good a relief pitcher on a, on a good team. Uh, I don't see any issues with this and I'm, I'm quite happy to take Presley here. Yeah. Tick, tick, you know, roles, good skills are good. Pick away. <laughs> Ryan, anything anything further on Presley or should we roll into the next the next guy? No, I agree. I like him. Good. Awesome. What about then? <laughs> what about Kirby Yates? Let's let's get into him. Uh, another change of scenery. Another that's one other thing here. There's tons of guys that are having a, a change of scenery here. Um, but so Kirby Yates is on that list. He's now I guess, slotted in to be the, the Blue Jays' closer, uh, replacing the legendary Anthony Bass, who moves on to the uh, legendary Miami Marlins. Um, for Kirby Yates, do you like maybe a bounce back for him here after, well, 2020 was a wash for him? Uh, I'm thir- 34 years. How old are you, Darius? I'm 34, yeah. <laughs> 34, bang on, there we go. So he's he's pretty old, this guy. <laughs> pretty old, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, 
I don't know. Like I, I've just had a look. It was bone chips that he was dealing with. Bone. I mean, that even sounds bad, doesn't it? Doesn't like, just good. say, just say bone chips, like plural. Like I, I'm not a scientist whatsoever. Like I'm dreadful at things that are medical, but plural chips in the bones doesn't sound great for a sort of pretty old guy. So, um, what I would say, no. And I said earlier, we're in Toronto. We're talking about quite a difficult park. I just don't trust the health. Um, he could be great. Like I, I don't mind the skills at all, but I question how well those school skills are going to hold up as he as he heads into his advancing years. And um, I don't think Toronto will mess around um, if he's struggling. Um, it's just not for me. I've just got a bad feeling about it. I know that some people say, "Oh, you can't just say that you've got a bad feeling. You need to prove it with statistics." I can prove it based on the fact that I don't think. He, he's likely to stay healthy. I just don't yeah. think he's likely to stay healthy. That That's yeah. enough for me to say no thanks. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Bone Chips says to me, his arm is falling apart. That's what Bone Chips says to me in, a, in a, a non-medical view. It means your right. arm's falling off. So. Yeah. No, I read that, actually. I googled Bone Chips and it literally just said... Your arm might fall off, mate. <laughs> it's funny so you should say it. That's a red flag for me. So, <laughs> Darius, Darius, now this is this is perfect for you. This is where we need to lean on you because the Blue Jays are going to be good, we assume, or they're going to be winning some games. Kirby Yates' arm may fall off. If it does, <laughs> who are the guys that are going to step up and take over this role that you see? Not the guys that are just going to close out Duff games. Who are the who are the actual ones that are next in line? You don't want to know who the seventh best guy in this bullpen is. No, <laughs> no, 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 I don't. Jordan Romano is is pretty interesting. Had a really excellent strikeout rate last year. Um, we haven't seen a ton of him in the majors, but uh, he's uh, an interesting guy. Um, really fun to watch on the mound. One of these absolute just crazy dudes as well. Total sort of bit of a Max Scherzer vibe, like real animal out there. Okay. Um, Rafael Delise is an older guy who I think if they're looking for sort of the more dependable type, um, I think he could step in. Um, I can like Julian Merriweather as well. Uh, he's another interesting Blue Jays prospect who they've kind of converted to relief. Um, he's got some decent strikeout rates too. But I think I think Romano is the guy that you want to keep an eye on initially if you're looking for a, a high strikeout guy who could also pick up some saves. Yeah. I, uh, this was a, a conundrum that I got my head around for TGFBI because I was like Ryan thinking Kirby Yates, someone's going to blow up here. So I'm going to get myself a Blue Jays backup. Uh, and, I, and I have done. And I've taken Delise as mine. Um, so I've, I've taken him. I mean, it's late, late rounds, of course. But the reason being, I saw Delise. We, you know, we played the Blue Jays a couple of times last year, the Marlins. And Delise pitched well. I, I like what I saw, actually. So... It's so possible. it was after you drafted Yates that you realized that his arm was likely to blow up. And then you thought, <laughs> holy moly, I better figure this out. So then what you did, you doubled down and you wasted another pick with an absolute bum. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Carry on. <laughs> Here's the good news. I didn't take one armed Yates. And I got the best. I get the I got the best of a bad bunch. I did consider Romano, that is for sure. But I, I remember seeing Delise and thinking. He looks good. So I took him because I trusted my eyes. Um, and we, we, we got Bass from the Blue Jays. And the only thing I saw of Bass was um, Savelli hitting a home run, run off him in a, in a safe situation. So that worries me about Bass anyway. But we'll, we'll get to him later. 
uh, when we get into tier three, maybe. Later, <laughs> Darius is looking at his watch like it is bedtime. Mate. I know, like, I know. We've, only, we've got a few more for Darius, though. <laughs> he looks physically scared. <laughs> there's, there's a few more ropey ones for Darius. I, I might just slide off my chair at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you don't hear from Darius in the last half an hour of the pod, he's just logged off. He's gone. He's gone. Well, let's let's put the resuscitator on Darius. Let's get him back to being excited. Let's get Nick Anderson talked about. Darius, what's the view on Nick Anderson? Can you take any raise reliever? Any of them? I mean, you can. You just need to know what you're getting. And, mm-hmm. and what you're getting is Kevin Cash does not care about your fantasy team. And he's certainly not going to give anybody 30 saves. Anderson has been elite. The playoff wobble was a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have some slight concerns about that because he just really seemed to totally lose his, his command. Um, and he just didn't look dominant at all. Hopefully he's back to his best. And and if he is, then he's, you know, on skills, you know, top five, six reliever in baseball, but he will not ever get the volume of saves of those top guys. Um, and yeah, there are potentially situations in which you can make that work. Um, yeah, maybe you're just not gunning for a league-leading saves total. Maybe you're confident in your ability to pick up some other guys on waivers, but just know that Anderson might only get you 15 saves or something, and hopefully it comes with the elite skills he showed before. Yeah, I, I mean, got a good look at him as a Marlin a few years ago, and I was really impressed. But the reality is you're taking these guys in the main, you're taking these guys for the save count, right? You know, that's the primary driver for selecting the, these guys we're talking about and we've talked about already is they need to contribute there. And I don't think 15 or 10 or whatever, I don't think that's enough. I love Anderson, but the way the Rays play it, I just don't love him here at this, at this value. I have got him in a few leagues, but <laughs> anyway, that was, that was me. Um, you know, I mean, if, that- if you look uh, at BP, we've got him projected for 16 saves at the moment. Uh, and that actually does make him the 10th best reliever. So, you know, the, the ratios are there, but obviously saves are a category and <laughs> that might not help you. Yeah. Ryan, I, f- I feel like you have a, an opinion on this one. So let me ask, let me ask you what your view is on, on Nick Anderson. I, I love the guy. I mean, he gives up quite a lot of fly balls, but I, I, the swinging strike rate is actually silly. Like, and, and it has been for each of the seasons that he, he's been doing this stuff. So um, I, I love the guy. That that does provide him with a level of safety, regardless of how many saves he gets, as Darius says. What I would say is you might as well just chill out and take Diego Castillo in like the last round of your drafts um, because he's pretty damn good himself. He has a silly ground ball rate, Diego Castillo, which makes him a bit safer from um, an ERA standpoint. In some ways, a, a little bit safer. What I mean by that is Anderson could have some home run issues. I doubt it because he misses so many bats. But yeah, even Fairbanks is interesting. I think I prefer Castillo to Fairbanks. Um, but they're, they're, they're going in the last round of drafts. Just take them. I mean, they could get 20... They're going to have the they, same save totals, right? Because They, they could have the more. Match. They could have a lot more. It just depends what they do. I honestly don't know. Um, I doubt I'll be taking Anderson um, at his price. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Taylor Rogers. Taylor Rogers. Uh, Ryan Owen, give me on a scale of 1 to 10 how nervous you would be taking Taylor Rogers 160th overall. <laughs> Taylor Rogers. Um, <laughs> Not to be confused with 
is there a Tyler Rogers as well? Is he a giant? We have we have a Tyler Rogers in the Giants. Yeah, he's a uh, submarine. Picture. So you're talking to me about Minnesota's Taylor Twi- Rogers. Twins. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. Twins, Taylor Rogers. Can you tell by my, uh, kind of like, who the hell is this guy? Who that is I'm like, Taylor Rogers? It's just not how, No, I do know who he is. Um, I'm not. Um, he's shit. I, I, <laughs> I don't think he's shit, um, but he, he's not for me. I don't think he's swinging strike rates anywhere near where I'd like it to be. Um, so, you know, yeah, he might do like 9K per nine and like strike out a guy in inning, but it's not going to be at the sort of level that I'd, I'd want it to be for a sort of trustworthy reliever. Velocity is fine, um, doesn't necessarily have the job. It sounds like Colome may be the guy that, um, Colome, which makes me want to sing a Fleetwood Max, a very obscure Fleetwood Max song, actually. Every time I hear his name, um, I, I just start singing like Lindsay Buckingham and I'm like, stop My that. finger is hovering over the mute button for you. <laughs> it really is. Just in Hello, case. May. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Um, I've never, I'm looking at Colome. I may like him more now than previously. I still have some walk um, whip issues. I, I'm a bit concerned about his control, um, but he, he does miss bats. I, I don't want any part of this. I, I don't know. I doubt I'll be going anywhere near this Minnesota malarkey. No, thanks. Darius, anything for you on Taylor Rogers? Uh, I mean, this is a team managed by a guy who came from Tampa Bay. So guess what we've got? (laughs) Situation (laughs) situation where they don't have a set closer. Uh, I think they'll match up. They did it last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Sergio Romo was, you know, coming in to close some games. Uh, I think they'll do exactly the same thing. If it's a righty heavy ninth, then... You've got column A in. If it's lefty, it's it's Taylor Rogers. I, I think that probably makes Rogers the worst bet for actual saves, to be honest. I expect his ratios would be better than column A, but I think this is a situation that you don't really want any part of at this price. No, we don't. No, we don't. Let's get on to the next one. Uh, Darius, Trevor Rosenthal. Rosenthal? Rosenthal. How do you say his surname? Rosenthal, I Rosenthal. believe. There we go. Anyway, worst pitcher... In 2019, I think. I think he was the worst pitcher in, in the entire MLB. He was absolutely rancid. He was terrible. But had a really good year last year in a shortened season. He's now with the another guy on a new team. He's now with the A's, I guess, effectively replacing Hendricks. Um, he's already got a groin issue, seemingly. <laughs> so there's that. Um, give me a trust factor in, in Trevor. I guess seven oh, out of ten. That's not bad. I think I think it's you know they've clearly signed him to be the guy. They've yeah. made that pretty clear. Oakland's a great place to pitch. The issue with Rosenthal is he just has these spells where he completely loses his control, and you'd never really know when they're going to turn up. So the whiffs will always be there. But yeah, if he walks three, four per nine, you're okay. He might walk six. He might walk. You know, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it could happen. Um, it's happened to him before. It, it could happen again. So throws absolute gas. Uh, don't worry about the strikeouts. But yeah, th- it is conceivable that there might just be a total wobble, and like Jake Dickman will be in this role in six weeks' time. Yeah. So these guys, this four, I'll put it to both of you now. I, want, I wanted to hear from you your your ranked preference of these four dudes that we've just touched upon. So you got Taylor Rogers that we didn't like, seemingly. We've got Kirby Yates that we didn't like. Uh, we've got Nick Anderson and Trevor Rosenthal. 
So those four dudes, Ryan, <laughs> what's um, your ranked order of preference? Uh, I, I would take Rosenthal before any of them, just because okay. I think he actually has a job. Um, okay. Although that's fairly probably quite close with Anderson because Anderson's skill set as the best pitcher here, I think, by quite a while means that you could make the argument that it's Anderson it, between those two. Um, and then Yates and then, who I don't even Rogers. remember the other bum, you know, <laughs> Taylor Rogers. You're, you're having nothing to do with these twins dudes, right? <laughs> no. um, yeah, thinking about it, it might be Anderson before uh, Rosenthal just because of Rosenthal's... Um, injury issues and stuff i'm not not too keen on him in that regard all right so i've taken that as nick anderson rosenthal yates and then rogers that's your four just about yeah. darius how about you on this one uh i think it's a bit context dependent for me if i've already got a guy uh and that i trust then i might take anderson because i'm not so worried about getting the saves mm-hmm. if i need the saves then give me rosenthal first yeah um the last two, I think, same order. I would take Yates over Rogers for sure. Awesome. Cool. Right. A few more to go on my list, and then we'll just throw it out for some real deep, deep ones for you guys to call out. And maybe Darius will have loads of them because he's been researching for this league. Um, we've got, oh boy, this is these are these are the this is the area of painful saves. This is, I think, what Ryan was going back to at the start, where it was yes, saves will appear but it could torpedo all of the other stats that you need. So Craig Kimbrell and Matt Barnes. Let's start there with these two dudes, Kimbrell and Barnes. Kimbrell, shit in 2019, shit in 2020. Any reason at all to be taking Kimbrell at 183rd overall? Ryan Owen, what what are you seeing? Uh, Um... I think it's red flags galore, isn't it? Um, and it's not just the outcome. It, you know, it'd be one thing if the whip and the ERA was bad in 19 and 20, which it was. Um, it's it's just the, the warp percentage. And, you know, that used to be covered up by this elite swinging strike ability and really good velocity, except the velocity has dropped um, over the last few years and so is his swinging strike rate. So... I, I don't know, man. Like, it's a shame that Rowan Wick is out. Um, he seems he's going to be out to start the season because I would have liked Rowan Wick as a, a late sleeper to sort of take this job um, fairly early on. They do seem sort of, um, they seem quite, they want Kimbrell to do it. They, they want to give him a really good shot. Mm. Um, that could be the worst thing for fantasy teams, though. That could be, like, that'll give you a reason to keep him in your lineup while he's getting blown Schmacked. up yeah. like so I, I i don't know i don't want any part of kimbrell no darius kimbrell or matt barnes for you this year uh give me kimbrell i think it's an absolute shot in the dark um but he had a really good september like he, he looked a total mess again through the end of august um just took a little bit of time off came back uh just looking now i struck out 13 guys in seven and a third no walks, no runs, three hits. So that's if that's what if that's what you get, and then you know, then you're getting elite Kimbrel back. And I think I'm I will be willing to take the chance. If I'm here and I need saves, then I'm gonna just gamble on on Kimbrel coming back to something approaching 
that level of performance. Um, but there's no question that he could just be done at this point in his career. Yeah. Matt Barnes as well, just to briefly no. touch on there. No, nothing no, at all. Don't like, don't do it. Like I, you, you are, you are asking for trouble. Like I, it, it's just a no, like draft Adam Ottavino in the last round. If, if you want a part of the, the Boston bullpen, cause I think it could be pretty early that he takes the job. Like that's, that's all I'm saying. Like you do what you want. You want Matt Barnes at this price. You, you're asking for trouble. I have just drafted Ottavino in my... <laughs> I thought you were going to say Barnes. <laughs> oh, Barnes, mate. Come on. Come on. Like, I don't know. He, he could be fine. Like, no, it's the it's the control again. It's the control. It's it's a concern. Um, And I don't think that's... If your control's bad, but your swinging strike rate's really, really, really elite, then you can get away with it. And if you've got nasty, really nasty stuff, you can get away with it. But you're only pitching one inning. Fine. But if your control's bad and yeah. none of the other stuff's that sexy, then you are just a completely unsexy thing and you oh, don't want unsexy things on your fantasy team. You want sexy things. You want a sexy team. You want to come out of the draft thinking, I'm a sexy boy. <laughs> <I'm> a... <laughs> oh, boy, where's that mute button? Holy shit, I didn't have my finger there quick enough. Is he gone? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, dear me. Right, right. No more sexy boys, but give me sexy teams, Darius Austin. This is an interesting one, right? The Padres. The Padres are a damn sexy team right now. They're the sexiest team in the entire league, if you, uh, if you read the media. We all do. Who the bloody hell is closing for them this year? Because they should win a lot of games. At the moment, we've got slated in Drew Pomeranz. Um, I'm something doesn't smell right here. So <laughs> give me, <laughs> it might be Ryan's uh, singing. I don't know. But anyway, what's going on with the Padres? No, it's the word Pomeranz. Yeah. If, have I the, mispronounced the word it? Pomeranz. It's, it's like, no, no, you pronounced it fine. But that, that therein lies the, like, I'm not even looking at his stats, but it sounds like pomegranate I mean... for a start, which... <laughs> I mean, I like pomegranate, but I never have it because who does? Like, I mean, it's awful. It's a terrible name. Go on, Darius. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This this is a mess. I, I don't think you're wrong <laughs> to approach this with caution. They, they've given absolutely no indication, really. I've seen some suggestions that they'll give it to Melanson just because he's a guy who's done it and they prefer to save their better relievers for other spots, which isn't a bad strategy. Um, but you know, Pagana's closed games in the past. Pomeranz has obviously closed some games in the past. I think he's their best reliever. Um, but honestly, I, I could see them doing a, a raise here. Uh, I could see this being an absolute headache for fantasy owners. So I, I really don't love the situation. And I'm just looking to take whoever's cheapest of the three, to be honest, if I'm going to take any of them. Yeah. It's no, like, don't... M- Melanson or however you want to say his name. No, that's he is the perfect example of someone, right? If he if he gets the job, he is like the perfect example of a guy that you shouldn't put on your fantasy team just because he's the closer. Like there's no swinging strike rate, the walk rate's worse, his velocity's not great. 
yeah, he gets a lot of ground balls, but the risking, I mean, he's the kind of guy that could have a really, really good season, but he hasn't had a whip lower than 1.28 since 2016. Like, this is terrible, man. This is this is a guy that could end up with a he could completely ruin everything that you're trying to do, like, and give you like 10 saves for it. I, I wouldn't go anywhere near Mark Melanson unless I was absolutely desperate for saves. Desperate. I am loving this because listen, I'm not given much, you know, input to this pod, but the one bit I've written I've wrote down here in my notes, <laughs> and they're quite short, was Mark Melanson. Around about 300th overall, and this is my this is my analysis and feedback. My favorite guy overall of any reliever. <laughs> I think he gets the job, and I think he leads the league in saves. That was my sense for Melanson. <laughs> you may be right, mate. You may Shocking. be right. Shocking thing is about Melanson, mate. I don't know. It's just it, the thing. Go on. I was just going to say, think about Melanson. What I like about him is. And he closed out games to the Braves, and the Braves are a good team. Saw a lot of him. He has this kind of steely presence about him. Like, he just... We're talking about over. a guy... You know a guy who's jittery and all over the show? Melanson just... <clears throat> he's just cool. Are we are we doing intangibles now? Oh, yeah, my God. We're doing intangibles. We've got to dig into the intangibles now at this late stage for value. We have to. Anyway. Because he looks steely. Like, he does. what... He looks to me like, yeah, you know, your stats will look less than steely, mate. Once you've got him on your team, let me tell you, you'll be you'll be dreaming of the days that you left him where he was on the mound, looking cold as ice, because your your team's going to be cold as ice. I'm bringing the microphone closer, and I'm going to repeat <laughs> the statement: favorite guy overall of any reliever. He gets the job and leads the league in saves. It's been said twice. I hope to God he does. Can't wait to replay this next year. <laughs> what about you Darius on, on Melanson and then we'll we'll get into some other well we'll get into the Braves because again another great team unclear situation but let's finish up on the Padres Melanson and all the, the guys who do you think is the leader for the Padres in saves I'll still say Pomerantz because I think he's the best guy but I'm not confident at all in that uh, I think Melanson could be fine but yeah, it, it depends. Is that ERA four? Is it four fifty? You know, where where is it going? Where's the whip going? Mm. So not good. And I don't think if it's that high that the Padres will necessarily let him close all year either. So there there is that. But um yeah, honestly, I, I don't really want to get involved in this situation unless, you know, in the next week or two they come out and say, Oh, Drew Pomerantz is the guy or Emilia Pagan is the guy. And I yeah. don't think they're gonna do it. Yeah. It's an intriguing one, though, because clearly there's going to be a lot of save opportunities, you'd assume, because they should win a lot of games. So one to monitor. Okay, let's get into the Braves. And then we've got some Phillies talk as well. Uh, And then if there's anyone else, we'll throw them out. So Braves, Melanson's gone, as we now know. Um, What's the situation looking like for the Braves, Ryan? Because there's a few guys knocking around. Will Smith, for example. Um, You know, who's most likely to, to pick these up now? I think it's glorious that they've got Will Smith and um, the lead singer of Coldplay on their team. Like, I, yeah, they love him. They love a vocalist, don't they? <laughs> yeah, Chris Darius, Martin, right? Darius has left. By the way, he's gone to bed. For no, no, he's, like, he's coming back. He's, he's coming. Got... He, gave, he gave me the one minute signal. <laughs> um, what do I think about the Braves? Again, it's a bit unclear, isn't it? it feels like a little bit of a committee. Um, I, I, I do 
I like um, Will Smith's ability to miss bats. Um, although I'm, I'm quite keen on Chris Martin as well, actually. Um, he, he's a guy that um, has really good control and, and is interesting. I'm not, I'm probably not going to get involved in the Braves. Um, again, I think what you're saying about the Padres applies to the Braves. You think they're going to be a good team. Mm-hmm. And, and what can happen, mate, is that that makes you think that you want a piece of the, uh, the jigsaw because they're a good team. It does. If, I'm a sucker for that. But the problem with that is, if the jigsaw is a jumbled mess of pieces that, you know, like your child took three jigsaws, emptied them all on the floor, and then all the pieces are in the wrong boxes, that's kind of the situation. So you, you're going to have a pretty shit jigsaw is is kind of what I'm saying. I think that's, you know, we, we can all fall in that trap, right? Because good teams, there should be saves. It's just what price do you pay to get a piece of that action? if you're just getting middling relievers, right? The skills are now dropping. The role is uncertain. I like, I, I, I mean, just to rebuff that, I like Martin and I like Smith. I'm not as keen on AJ Minter, um, but I like them. Yeah. I, I, again, it's tell me which one of them's got the job. Tell me unequivocally. Like If it's going to be shared around between two, three or more people, then it probably not. Like I'm all right. Yep. Darius? Braves, bullpen, similar situation to the Padres. Who are you liking and who are you taking a flyer on? And, you know, because th- this situation creates opportunity for us because we don't know, but if we get it right, we end up with a top dude perhaps at, you know, back end of the draft that, you know, because of the, the role he then takes on is like a 10th a round pick, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to be Smith. Um that's my gut feel, but you know, that's, that's just a, a gut gut feeling at this point. That's not based on a lot of information. Um, partly because they've got other good lefties in this bullpen. Mm. So I, I don't worry about him getting moved to earlier innings because I think they've, they've got the arms to cover elsewhere for the matchups. So I don't worry too much about that, but it could easily be Martin. Again, I think, you know, whichever comes cheaper is, a good bet you know that if that's that's the choice especially if one of them is several rounds cheaper then i wouldn't mind uh just taking a shot on that and yeah you can just drop that guy if he doesn't get the job um i wouldn't worry too much as well about like the good teams getting a lot more saves i think at like the very low end um i i care because you know if you think the tigers are going to win 50 games then i think probably they're not going to have a guy who gets 30 saves yeah but, um Towards the top, I think that relationship starts to break down, you know, with with a team like the Dodgers or maybe the Braves, who we expect might score a lot of runs. They might just win a lot of games by too much to have any save situations, so you don't get as many as you might think. Mm -hmm. Yep, good point. Good point. Sometimes these guys, the offense is too good. (laughs) Doesn't, Doesn't need the closer. So, all right, cool. The final one I wanted to get into uh, was the Phillies one. Um, mainly because, you know, Ryan's a Phillies fan, so we should talk about it. What the hell is going on there? Hector Neris, uh, we've talked about him for years, is one of Bob Bamba's favorite dudes because he's so erratic. Um, is Neris the guy? You've got Archie Bradley signed this year, which could be the guy. You've also got Kinsler in the mix that um, did well last year, I think was fifth in saves in, in 2020 on the Marlins. I mean, Ryan... Let's have a quick Phillies rundown. 
see where we're at. Uh, you, you've said it yourself. You, you've basically just said that you don't have a clue what's going on, and, I, and I'm the same. And I'm a, I'm a Phillies fan, so that just tells you don't really get involved, and that that's what you should do. Um, Alvarado is interesting. Neris is still interesting. He has this problem where if his his best pitch is splitter and that isn't working, then we have a problem. Um, he can be lit up pretty easily, as we've seen. I think there's no real confidence in Neris. I don't think he's going to be the bona fide guy. Um, I think he might start splitting it um, or he may go very traditional Girardi and just give it to someone like Kinsler and that could happen. Um, that's fine. I mean, again, if I mean, let's take a look at Kinsler here. If you're talking about Kin, no, Kin- you won't <laughs> like him. I, oh my days. I know you won't like him. <laughs> oh my days. If he is the closer, <laughs> don't put him on your team. Oh man, that's going to blow things up. Um, no, don't don't go near the Phillies. There's better bets as well. I mean, I know we're going to come on to it, but let's just let's just speed this up a little bit. We, guys, there's better bets. I think Joaquin Soria's a better bet. It looks like Soria's going to get the job in Arizona. They signed him to do the job. Um, I think that he's a far better bet. Um, I think Montero in Seattle is a better bet to actually have a job and, and to do something with it. Um, and yeah, Pittsburgh stink, but I do think Richard Rodriguez is a pretty good um, relief pitcher. And, and you know what? The, the price that he's going at, if he gets you 20 saves and, and some good ratios and strikeouts, then I think Richard Rodriguez is absolutely fine. Um, yeah, I think they would be the ones that I'd be looking at first and foremost. And Oh, and, and Greg Holland as well in, in Kansas City. So you got Holland... Um, Montero, Soria, and Rodriguez. I'd take all of them before I took any Phillies. Um, and pro- I'd probably take all of them before I took Kimbrel, quite frankly. Like, I-, I just feel a bit more confident in them. Um, well, if you've yeah. got up your sleeve, then Darius, there's I know you'll have a few others knocking around. Uh, I like Jose Leclerc this year. Um, good situation. I think Jonathan Hernandez just uh, got injured. He was his main competition. Um, the skills wandered a bit, but he had a really incredible year a couple of years back, and I think it's it's pretty wide open for him to take the job. The Rangers aren't great, but I don't think they're like the Tigers. I think you know they can win 70 games and he can get 30 saves. He's coming very cheap right now. So he's a guy that I like. Um, yeah, I think Montero looks pretty safe in Seattle. I, there's not an, an obvious guy to take it away from him right now. Uh, I'm not sure I like Pittsburgh so much um, just because they seem very reluctant to say that Rodriguez is their closer, even though he was clearly their best reliever last year. That's a bit off to me. Um, Maybe they're just playing games in camp. Uh, And then I guess we've got to keep an eye on Jordan Hicks in St. Louis. Uh, Mm. You know, dude throws 103 miles per hour. Uh, It sounds like they'll bring him back a little bit cautiously, but he's tracking to be ready to start the season with the team, I think. I like Hicks. I think Hicks is a nice, nice one. All of the noises out of of camp seems to be that they want him to be the closer. It's just, you know, they want to bring him along safely. So I think he's going to be a a good value. Might not be a great value by the end of uh, March, but right now I think he's going in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, is there anyone else that you need to highlight, guys? Ryan, is there anyone else up your sleeve that you need to touch upon? I mean... We've, we've covered a lot of ground in an hour and 20. Uh, it's 20 minutes over schedule. So just to call that out first. <laughs> um, I, 
I think there's situations then to start monitoring and, and basically just see if you can get a bit of a steal towards the back end of especially deeper drafts. So, um, I mean, I picked up on a situation where Amir Garrett seems to have some sort of problem. And I think that was mentioned earlier as well. Um, bit of an elbow issue or something going on with him. So at that point, even though Lucas Sims has had some worries of his own, he started throwing again over the last few days. And I think he would be the next guy up, um, probably. Um, I think I'm avoiding Detroit um, completely. Um, I don't want any part of San Francisco because Kapler is famously, um, famously um, not keen on one guy. So, and, and none of the guys are very good. Um, so that, that, that helps me stay away from there. I don't want any thought part of Baltimore. Um, it's up in the air and I don't trust any of them. And Miami, if I was going to go into Miami, I would mm-hmm. take Jaime, I would take Jaime Garcia if I was going to take a bit of a, um, Jaime Garcia. Oh, sorry, mate. I, I do apologize. Come on. I, sorry. I'll just say Garcia. Garcia. Like, is Jaime Garcia still around? <laughs> I think he is. But, um, I'm going to look him up now. <laughs> oh, was that the guy that pitched for the Yankees? He pitched for the Cards forever. Um, yeah. He had a long career. Did he go to the Yanks late on? Anyway, yeah, fine. Um, he did, yeah. Yeah. So I don't want Anthony Bass, obviously. Um, that that no. I mean, I like his name because it makes me think of fish. But I'm, yeah, I'm it's a perfect <laughs> signing for the Marlins, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I I like Daniel Bard as a pitcher at this point. Something's gone on with him, and it's a cool story. But you you, you don't want to get involved in closers in Colorado, in in my experience. Um, so that's a no as well. So yeah, it's more just like look for the the little. Look for where someone could get the job and run with it. I think Lucas Sims is a good example of that, where you can get him really, really cheap um, and he could get it and he could run with it. Um, I think Garcia is another example of that. He could get the job and he could run with it and you're going to get him cheaper than Bass probably. Um, So that would be my advice. Stay away from the committees and look for jobs that are going to come. And remember, once the season starts, my advice for everyone who's playing fantasy, it's not the time to think, oh, great, I got two or three closes in the draft, and so my love affair with relievers is done. If you are in a league that does saves plus holds or has any sort of holds element, you need to start getting used to understanding that just getting holds is not good enough to be on your fantasy team. You have to get holds, but also be a good relief pitcher and that means miss bats miss lots of bats and get the swing and strike rate or be an elite control guy i don't mind it if you've proven and i'm pretty confident that you're definitely elite but the best way to keep your whip low what is whip walks plus hits per innings pitch well the best way to avoid hits is to miss miss bats and the best way to avoid walks is to get them to swing the bat even when you're a wild freak that's throwing it outside the strike zone. Because if you have stuff so good that they're just going to swing anyway, fantastic. Doesn't matter if you're a little bit outside the zone. So look for the relievers that miss bats. That's my advice. Any final notes from you, uh, Mr. Austin, or uh, we'll let you get out of here. Yeah, I think we've, we've had most of the situations. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of, um, People seem to think that Jake McGee is going to get the job in San Francisco, but I think Ryan's right about Kapler. Um, and I mean, Kapler and Zaidi is like the world's worst combination for fantasy <laughs> managers because like these are two guys who just love to tinker. 
And just because you see the lineup one day, it's got absolutely no bearing on, on what it's going to be in it the next. So I, I would not trust anything. Even if he came out and got the first save, I wouldn't tell you with any confidence he was going to get the second one. So I'll pass on that. Um, yeah, I mentioned my uh, guys, uh, Phil Maton and Tanner Rainey earlier. as a couple of deeper guys you could look at. Um, interesting holds candidates, certainly. Um, Josh Stomont in Kansas City is a guy who, again, throws absolute gas. Uh, if Holland did stumble, I, I'd be kind of interested if he can ever find the strike zone. Um, but yeah, I think Ryan covered the main stuff really. And, and yeah, the, those first few weeks are really key. People are taking those, that off after your draft, just being like, I've got my closers. I'm not going to pay attention to waivers or what's happening in the bullpens. And you see a guy sneaking into the late innings who you didn't expect. You know, easy time to pick somebody up on the cheap and, and get, your, get those saves that you didn't get in the draft. Happens every year, doesn't it? Every yeah. year, someone just appears that wasn't expected. You pick him up. Next thing is he's top five in the league in saves or holds or whatever. It happens every year. There will be someone top 10 um, that won't be drafted because we don't know. That's the, oh, yeah. That's I mean, this point. time last year, almost nobody knew who Devin Williams was. And, you know, he was basically the best reliever in the league last year. This, this happens with relievers. <laughs> it does. The volatility, right? Just to round up on the Marlins piece uh, that Ryan is rolling his eyes at now. <laughs> Anthony Bass had the biggest hype promo video I've ever, ever seen when he signed with the Marlins. It was it was huge. So that says to me, Bass is inked in in the closer role for now, uh, based yeah. on hype videos. <laughs> and Man. listen, Donny, Donny, there will be no committee in, in Miami. That's for sure. Like, there will be a guy. Don Mattingly has a guy. So It does seem quite traditional, and I'm not is. trying to be offensive. Um, that is... Fine. He se- like seriously. He seems to be a guy that that prefers to to roll with the traditional sense of the innings. It's like the opposite of Kapler in some yeah. ways. That, that's the thing. You've mentioned Yimmy Garcia was awesome last year. There's tons of guys in there. It's a brand new bullpen. So the advice there, we're coming back to it, is just keep your eyes on it. Just see what the Marlins do in the first week or two. You'll know. And I'll bet that Don Mattingly likes guys that have steely glances as they get towards the mound. <laughs> I believe he does. I believe you need to ask him on the next press conference. I'll ask him. I'll ask does him the glance matter? Does the glance matter, mate? I'll ask, ask him. Ask him how upset he is that Ginsler isn't there anymore to give him a steely glance. <laughs> yeah. Surprised he let him go personally with that stare. Yeah. Yeah, disappointing that one. Hope Kinsler, yeah, I hope he does well in, in Philadelphia, but oh, I will ask him. I will report back on my findings there on, on Mattingly, but to call it out with Miami, there will be no committee. So get the guy. If it isn't Bass, then pick up the other one. If it's someone that you haven't thought of, like a Dylan Floro or Curtis. Yeah, I can guarantee no one sat around thinking about the Marlins bullpen, like just like, no. oh, have you ever? Th- yeah, I was dreaming about Dylan Floro. <laughs> no one's dreaming about Floro. No, anyway, <laughs> By hype video, Bass is the man. Anyway, we are out of time. We were out of time 25 minutes ago. So the reliever pod is in the books. Darius Austin, where can people get you on Twitter or any other channel uh, for that matter if they're not following you already? Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Darius A64. I, I don't really have any other channels. I'm not on Insta or anything. I'm too old for that. Yeah, um, but yeah, follow me and uh, follow uh, Batflips underscore nerds as well for all our podcast content. Top man. You're a legend, mate. I've really enjoyed uh, you being on. Hope you've enjoyed it. Um, awesome. I have. Insight. It's been great fun. Top man. Listen, uh, Ryan Owen, you're, as always, you've been on fire. 
I may have to edit some of these bits out. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I feel quite refreshed today. You you guys got a, quite a hyper version of me. Sorry, guys. Uh, I can tell. I can tell you've been back in the classroom this I week. Slept, I slept well last night. You know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's let Darius go and get his sleep for God's sake. Anyway, <laughs> we'll be back next week. Oh boy, it's going to be a lively one. We will have Bob Bamba back in the seat for starting pitches. So that is going to be wild. Uh, until then. Uh, enjoy your drafts, guys. Reach out if anything else crops up. See you next week for starting pitches.